MSW Media. Hey everyone, today's episode is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health, fill the gaps in your nutrition, and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, February 4th, 2022. Today, memos obtained by the New York Times show the early roots of the seven-state coup. Jeffrey Clark invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination over a hundred times while testifying to the 1-6 committee yesterday. ISIS leader is killed in a U.S. Special Forces raid. Rudy Giuliani is too gross for even Robin Thicke. And Pence aides claim privilege over questions about discussions between Pence and Trump during the select committee testimony. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how are you today? I am okay, AG. How are you holding up? I'm good. I'm doing good today. Good. You have some news for us about the podcast, yeah? Yep. Interesting news. We are leaving Spotify. I've been trying to dig into the legality of it and the ability of it, given contracts and all that stuff. And I got all the green lights today. So we announced Wonderful. it today. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, Please get our podcast for free on Stitcher or Overcast or Apple or Google Play. There's tons of places to listen to it. And you can listen to it for free still on, on any other podcast player. And uh, or you can grab a premium ad free feed and help support us on Patreon or Supercast. And look, we're, we're, a, we're a smaller indie operation. We don't get 11 million downloads per episode. And so this is financially risky. But risking my income in the interest of the truth is kind of how I got into podcasting in the first place. Yep. I lost my job at the VA and all that. And I've never regretted it. I've never looked back. I've always into doing doing the right thing is always more important than the bottom line. And and that's a lesson we hope Spotify learns. So everybody, it's going to take a minute, Dana, to get the customer service to to take the show off of Spotify. So you might continue to see it there for a while longer. I don't know how long it's going to take, but we are in the process of removing it. I'm happy to be part of this uh, family that does the right thing for the right reasons. So awesome. Thank you. And this is also goes for Muller. She wrote the MSW book club and clean up on aisle 45. All right. We do have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So 15 days after the election, James Troupas, a lawyer from the Trump campaign in Wisconsin, received a memo setting out what became the rationale for the audacious strategy to put in place alternate slates of electors in states where Trump was trying to overturn his loss, the seven-state coup. Now, this memo from another lawyer named Ken Cheesebro, which is perfect, (laughs) may not have been the first time that lawyers and allies of Trump had weighed the possibility of naming their own electors in the hopes they might eventually succeed in flipping the outcome, right? through recounts and lawsuits, baselessly asserting widespread fraud. But the November 18th memo and another three weeks later are among the earliest known efforts so far to put out on paper proposals for preparing alternate slates of electors. They helped to shape the crucial strategy that Trump would embrace with profound consequences for himself and the nation. 
The memos show how just over two weeks after Election Day, Mr. Trump's campaign was seeking to buy itself more time to undo the results. At the heart of the strategy was the idea that the real deadline was not December 14th, when the official electors would be chosen to reflect the outcome in each state, but actually January 6th, when Congress would meet to certify the results. And in that focus on January 6th lay the seeds of what became a pressure campaign on former Vice President Mike Pence to accept the validity of a challenge to the outcome and block Congress from finalizing Joe Biden's victory. And that's a campaign that would also lead to a violent assault on the Capitol by Trump supporters and an extraordinary rupture in American politics. Now, one of these memos sent December 9th says, it appears that even though none of the Trump-Pence electors are currently certified as having been elected by the voters of their state, most of the electors will be able to take the steps needed to cast and transmit their votes so that they might be eligible at a later date. So Cheesebro told Troopus that he knows, <laughs> he knows the Trump-Pence electors were not valid. And that's likely why Pennsylvania and New Mexico included that caveat in their fake elector certificate. They were like, this is just in case the election's overturned. We're right. sending this in. But the other five states that were told, you know, they weren't the current certified electors forged a document saying that they were. Now, did they believe they were allowed to say that? That they could say, hey, we're the duly appointed electors, uh, even though we know we aren't, but we're, we've been told we can say this just to get it in on time? And that would be my defense if I were defending these electors. Hey, we knew we weren't, but we were told that we had to submit our slate by January 6th to the archives in Congress just in case the election was somehow overturned in the courts or whatever so that you could count us. And that's a good defense, right? But we'll see how it pans out. But it would be a good defense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but even before the cheese bro memos were written, legislative leaders in Arizona and Wisconsin sought advice from their own lawyers about whether they had the power to appoint alternate slates of electors after the election took place. And they were effectively told they did not. And that's according to new documents obtained by American Oversight, a nonprofit watchdog group. I looked up those memos that were obtained by American Oversight, Dana, and they told Arizona and Wisconsin GOP leaders, hey, this is in response to your questions about the appointment <laughs> of presidential electors and the ability of the legislature to change the process for the current election. To change how presidential electors are appointed, the legislature would have to amend their laws. However, the changes that they might make could not be applied to the current election. So no, you can't, right? But they did anyway. So <laughs> it seems like one of those times that it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission because whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a Trump getting actual appraisals on his property values. Like, <laughs> maybe don't do that if you're trying to lie about it. So before they took the video of themselves signing forged elector certificates, the party was informed in Arizona and Wisconsin that it was illegal by their own general counsel. Did Karen Fan fail to tell the electors in Arizona she knew it was illegal or did she tell them? And they signed it anyhow. And what led Pennsylvania, New Mexico to be like, yeah, uh, you know, we've heard that this is, you know, these aren't the real. I'm, I don't want to sign my name to something that says I'm, I'm the duly elected or, you know, representative of the elector. I'll sign my name if you put in the caveat that this is just in case the, you know, the election gets turned over. Anyway, I imagine we'll find out. Now, a little background on Cheesebro and Troopus. <laughs> <laughs> Now it just sounds like you're making shit up. I know. I know. It's like a horrible <laughs> child's book. 
she's bro and Troopus at the movies. In the weeks after the election, Mr. Troopus oversaw the Trump campaign's recount effort in Wisconsin, which ultimately showed that Biden had won by more than 20,000 votes. In early December 2020, Mr. Troopas filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Trump campaign that sought to invalidate the use of absentee ballots in Milwaukee and Dane counties, which both have large numbers of black voters. Interesting. At a hearing in front of Wisconsin Supreme Court, one justice, Rebecca Dallet, noted that Mr. Troopas had not sought to invalidate votes in Wisconsin's 70 other super white counties, but it focused only on the, quote, most non-white urban parts of the state. Another justice, Jill Karofsky, echoed that sentiment, telling Mr. Trumpus that his lawsuit smacks of racism. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Now, in late December, Cheesebro joined <laughs> Trumpus in asking the United States Supreme Court to review the question of whether competing slates of electors in Wisconsin and six other states could be considered on January 6th. And the high court said, nah, bro, nah, Cheesebro. The language and suggestions in the memos from Mr. Cheesebro to Mr. Trumpus closely echo the tactics and talking points that were eventually adopted by Trump's top lawyers. I, I mean, it's just a blind leading the blind over there. <laughs> uh-huh. I do hope there are a lot of trouble. Now, President Biden, he said on Thursday that the leader of the Islamic State died during a raid by U.S. Special Operations Commandos in a risky pre-dawn attack in northwest Syria. Rescue workers said women and children were among at least 13 people killed during the raid. Now, in brief remarks at the White House, Mr. Biden said the choice to use special forces to target the ISIS leader was made to minimize civilian casualties despite the greater risk to American troops. Speaking in the Roosevelt Room at the White House, Mr. Biden was understated as he described the ISIS leader's history, saying that he had ordered a series of atrocities, including against the Yazidi people. And this is a quote, thanks to the bravery of our troops, the horrible terrorist leader is no more. That was from our president. Mr. Biden said the ISIS leader died when he exploded a bomb, killing himself and members of the family. Mr. Biden said that the raid served as a warning to terrorist groups. And another quote, this operation is a testament to America's reach and capability to take out terrorist threats, no matter where they try to hide anywhere in the world. And again, that was our president. Before his White House remarks, Mr. Biden said in a statement, all Americans have returned safely from the operation. And I just want to say, And uh, AG, I think we saw this update when I was on Stephanie this morning, the news article. Some of those women and children were actually killed from a bomb that the terrorists put off. So I I want that. I think that's supposed to be clear in that, that that all those casualties weren't necessarily because of the U.S. strike. And I do hope that they focus on that um, in that sense. In fact, my understanding is none of them were. All of the women and children that were used as shields and killed by the terrorists, by the leader of ISIS. Yes. So I think I hope that's made very clear because it's going to become a talking point from the right. So just remember what the facts are. And I hope that is, in fact, the case. Yes, indeed. Now, up next, top aides to Mike Pence, former vice president, did not discuss direct conversations with former President Donald Trump over several hours of questioning in recent interviews with the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. That's according to three sources familiar. The aides, Mark Short and Greg Jacob, drew a line on what they'd be willing to discuss because Trump's legal team had instructed them not to reveal presidential conversations that the former president's lawyers believe should be covered under executive privilege. The committee was aware there would be privilege concerns. The privilege claims rarely came into play during the uncontentious interviews. So even though CNN's headline is Pence aides invoke executive privilege, it only happened a couple of times. And the Pence aides only declined to answer a few questions with, you know, because of executive privilege. 
The witnesses did answer questions about conversations they had with the vice president, the sources say. And so this is seems like a good faith invocation of executive privilege to me. Absolutely. Now, the parameters set in the interviews are the latest indication that Trump still seeks to keep secret his actions in the White House up to January 6th. Yeah, no shit. Thanks, CNN. (laughs) And uh, reveal some details about exactly how his legal team is trying to do that. Specifically, Trump's team is invoking the presidential communications privilege that protects from disclosure communications with the president directly so that there can be candor in executive branch decision making. As CNN has reported, Pence would prefer his aides act as the former vice president's proxy so he does not have to appear. And deferring to Trump on executive privilege claims sends a message to the former president and his base that Pence and his aides are not going to cross him. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. But Trump's legal team is still trying to draw lines around executive privilege, despite losing a lawsuit against the House investigation at the Supreme Court. Also this week, the National Archives revealed that Trump is attempting to assert executive privilege over more than 100 documents from the vice president's office. The interviews with Short and Jacob could be some of the most illuminating for the House probe. Short, who is Pence's former chief of staff, was with Pence in the Capitol on that day. And he participated in a White House meeting days before where John Eastman, the outside attorney working with Trump, explained that fringe legal theory about how he believed Pence could block electoral college votes in Congress. So I think that this is very, very significant and helpful testimony. I'm kind of like, hey, if you had a discussion with the president of the United States, you could invoke executive privilege and then maybe go to court over Sure. Those questions. But this also sort of highlights, even though Pence wants to use all these guys as a proxy, Pence is the only one who could testify to what Trump said. But Pence would probably say, hey, discussions with the president are privileged, are covered by. Yeah, covered by privilege. And I don't know that there's a crime fraud exception for executive privilege. I assume there is. But you'd have to you'd have to bear that out in court. Right. You you can't just lock them up and make them talk. So. We'll see what happens. Right. You'd also have to assume that Pence was a totally different person than he actually is and gave a shit <laughs> about the democracy in this country. Yeah, don't get me wrong. So, they're all assholes and they're all criminals. That. But, yeah. you know, we have to understand that if the shoe were on the other foot, we would want that executive privilege in place. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. it's just something to think about. I know it sucks and it's ridiculous and wrong because this is an unprecedented coup to, you know, overthrow right. democracy. But these fundamental rights have to be preserved. So we have to kind of, I don't know the answer to figure out a way around them. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. And speaking of uh, criminals, um, Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) I I left this for you, Dana. I appreciate that. It's almost schadenfreude, but not quite schadenfreude. Here we go. In the not too distant past, Rudy Giuliani was seen as the future face of the Republican Party with hair dye running down it. However, now... He's just a punchline. Giuliani's journey from America's mayor to eye-rolling embarrassment hit another low this week, everyone, when he was revealed not only had he appeared on the latest season of the reality show The Masked Singer. Yeah, that should be enough. That should be enough. But also that when his identity was revealed, two of the show's hosts walked off in protest. Now, Ken Jeong, who I absolutely love, is a brilliant comedian, and um, I was very proud that he did this. And Robin Thicke, these were the two people. So CNN's Chloe uh, Mellis reported that Robin Thicke and Ken Jeong walked off stage following the revelation of Giuliani as a contestant on the popular Fox reality show in which contenders perform in full costume until they are eliminated. Now, the episode is expected to air next month. 
Okay? So it's cringe. It's cringe-inducing all the way around. I'm so fucking tired of people like Spicer and Giuliani, to be honest with you, AG. These people that have done horrible things to this country given it's this entertainment platform. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so normalizing and gross. And I, I, and I totally get why Ken Jong walked off. Robin Thick, I don't know, whatever. I know, that was interesting. I was like, oh, someone's got really? a line. Date huh. rapey blurred lines? Yeah. This oh, is the line. Hmm, okay, that's your This line. is the line that's no longer blurred. Good to know. <laughs> it's just, it is gross all the way around. And unfortunately for Giuliani fans, and I assume there are probably still some of them out there. In fact, I found out the other day through Twitter that one of them is a police officer friend of mine in New York. <laughs> yep. It's the latest in a series of increasingly desperate attempts by the former New York City mayor to stay relevant. Giuliani's descent began slowly, just like the dye running from his hair. I can't stop. <laughs> and then all at once, it, it, it was slowly, then all at once, it was tied directly to his association with Donald, whom he had known for decades as they orbited each other in the New York City circles. Now, as Donald's presidency wore on and as the legal problems mounted, Giuliani emerged as one of a few members of Trump's inner circle largely due to his utter servility and willingness to say and do anything in support of then-president's increasingly out-there views, often illegal. Anyway, the Masked Singer's appearance and the controversy it triggered is rightly understood as a continuation of Giuliani's desperate search for relevance in the decade or so since he mattered in American politics. And it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Yeah, and also kind of dangerous. Absolutely. It's that normalization that I do not like. That's the thing. That's the number one thing. Yeah. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Athletic Greens, my new habit. It's so awesome, easy and convenient and delicious. It's a health and wellness company that simplifies daily nutrition, stress and an intense schedule and intermittent fasting and paleo only can make keeping good nutritional habits challenging for me. I have a lot of gaps in my nutrition, but Athletic Greens has helped. One delicious scoop of AG1 provides comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition that has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, a probiotic, a green superfood blend, and more. My focus and productivity are enhanced by AG1. It's my morning drink. I drink it every morning before the gym. And AG1's bioavailable ingredients can effectively replace multiple products or pills with one tasty, healthy beverage. Easy peasy. And it fits the keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free uh, lifestyles. So you're, you're set. And AG1 has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything. And it's delicious. My favorite thing about Athletic Greens is that they constantly update as the research changes. Unlike most nutritional supplements that never change once they hit the market, Athletic Greens continually improves AG1 based on the science and research. And so far, there have been 53 improvements over the last decade and counting. So I highly recommend you give it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleeping poorly is a nightmare, literally. For many years, I suffered from insomnia, anxiety. I was tossing and turning. I thought it was stress. But as it turns out, my mattress wasn't helping either. It was a mattress made for somebody else. Thankfully, I discovered Helix Sleep. They have a quick online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. And they will match a mattress to your body type and sleeping style. It's amazing. It's a quick quiz. It's super simple. And you can see the perfect mattress for you. And you'll get the best night's sleep of your life. You can choose from 
a wide array of mattresses. You might be matched with a soft, firm, or medium mattress. They have body temperature regulating mattresses, spinal alignment mattresses. They have everything. They even have a Helix Plus mattress with plus size sleepers. Uh, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I sleep on my side and I like a medium firm bed. So it's perfect for me. And thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep all night and I wake up feeling refreshed and alert and no soreness. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. It was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired. And leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix. And they have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And they have financing options available too. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. In case you have any my pillows lying around, you can replace them. Again, helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're- All right, for the good news, if you have anything you want to send us, confessions, corrections, anything, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm going to kick us off. We have a submission here, Dana, from Kay Hay, pronouns she and her. Kay Hay. Kay Hay. Hello, fearless leaders of the Illuminati. <laughs> you asked for pictures of things we've created. Oh, good, good, good. So here's a couple of my better attempts at needle felting. Ooh. I decided to learn this hobby during 45's last year in office because of an overwhelming desire to stick needles in some people. (laughs) I'm sure you understand the sentiment. Learning the hobby seemed a productive way of harnessing the urge that resulted in something more productive than endless frustration. They are quite lightweight and make excellent decorations for the weaker branches on the Christmas tree. Can't wait to see what else you get pictures of. Look at this squirrel. Or chipmunk, probably, with like a, a bear, yeah. like a berry, like a winter berry. Yes. Oh, God, these are so cute. And the mouse with the bread. I want all of these. Can I buy them somewhere? I want to buy them. Kay. Oh, my God. Okay, hey, these are adorable. I love these. Thank awesome. you for that. Absolutely. All right, we've got something from Robin, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Crew. Listening to Wednesday's show and admiring the awesome cake photo made me reminisce about my amazing daughter's self-taught Way to earn money in high school, making sculpted cakes. I've attached photos of two of my favorites in the hopes of starting yet another game. Can you eat that? (laughs) That's hilarious. The anatomy cake was for a friend's graduation from PA school. Perfect. The violin cake was for an Albuquerque Youth Symphony party. My daughter is also a talented violinist. My brother used to be in the Youth Symphony um, in, in Albuquerque and then went on to the bigger symphonies. She has since retired from baking amazing cakes and uses her artistic talent to create images and messaging for social justice causes like showing up for racial justice. Hell yeah. That's awesome. For my pod pet tax, here are Pippin in the Blue Harness and Berkeley, my rescue chihuahua mixes from the 505, waiting patiently for their afternoon walk. Holy majolly. That's fucking awesome. Look at that violin. Oh my God. God, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't even look. Yeah, it looks like in the shiny. Like it Amazing. looks like a real violin. Well, the fact that she's also self-taught, like that she she didn't, she didn't go to school for this. That she taught this to herself. This is amazing. Wow, so cool. Thanks for this. This is Tell brilliant. Your daughter. Oh my God, and the Chihuahuas, the cutie da- pies, oh. cutie pies. Hello, I love both of the ears. They're both different. Love it. All right, next up from Lola Gale, pronouns she and her. Hello, Alice and Dana and Amy and the crew. 
Adding to the recent whoopee trend, with this submission of my twin daughters, Melody and Harmony, oh, beautiful names, and their very well-loved whoobies, Melody and BC on the right, and Harmony and Yellow Bunny on the left. All turned 32 on the 25th, yes, even the whoobies. My daughters were born two and a half months premature, and therefore had to spend quite a lot of time in the NICU. The day they were born, a nurse suggested we add a brand new clean stuffed animal in their incubators since they had to separate both girls. My folks immediately ran out and went shopping and came back with these two. And thus a tradition was born. As you can see, both are in terrible shape. BC lost her dress and had to be outfitted with a baby jumper years back. And Yellow Bunny has no ears despite all the frumpiness. My daughters still insist on sharing their beds with them. And their husbands even remind them to make sure to pack the whoobies whenever they go out of town. Aww. Oh, thanks for all you do and keep the hits coming. Much love, Lola Gale. Oh, my, oh my God. goodness. And beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's so rad because they were twins and they had to put them in incubators. So they got them stuffed animals. To- oh, my goodness. Gorgeous, gorgeous children, too. Gorgeous children. Absolutely. All right. This is from Nancy, pronouns she and her, for your whoopee request. I submit my son's three comfort objects, two blankets, one for home, one for daycare, and a figment stuffy we got at Disney World because he really needed something he would carry around the park and the blankets were too big. I'm pretty sure that he still has all three. He's 33 now. I would never have taken away his whoopies because my parents took mine away. And I'm still upset about it 60 years later. (laughs) Admittedly, my blanket was disgusting. I sucked on it, but it it really traumatized me when they burned it. Oh my God, they burned burned it. it? That'll traumatize any child. That's a little much. I know. Just you can't, they couldn't throw it away or wash it. I don't understand. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Nancy. I feel like we should send you a new blanket. My pictures of my son's whoobies aren't great. Plus, I had to take pictures of the physical photos. So it's fine if the submission doesn't make the cut. Oh, but it did. Nancy, you make the cut. Look. <laughs> and they all have, all of our my whoobies when I was a kid had that silk edge, right? Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. You want to take the next one too? Sure, I'm happy to. little short one. This is from Hope. Pronoun she and her. If you like cats that fetch, here's my Leia with her favorite ball of yarn. Her sister <laughs> Dot is playing with the string. Oh my God. <laughs> So you can't use this yarn then because this is the cat's favorite ball of yarn, I'm assuming. No. I also didn't know that was the last submission. Otherwise, I would have given it to you. (laughs) Oh, no, it's totally fine. But look at these babies. Look at these little tuxies. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yarn ball. It's a big yarn ball, by the way, in the mouth. That's pretty great. So cute. And and hey, free toy for the other cat. Because when the one cat takes the ball of yarn around, then there's a string dangling, which can be chased by the other cat. So it's a twofer. All right. Thanks for that submission, Hope. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for your submissions today. I really appreciate it. And thanks, Dana, for filling in for Amy today. Amy will be filling in for you on Wednesday the 9th. And why? Because I'm going to be performing in New York City. And thank you for letting me continue to talk about this. If you're in New York City and you want to see me live, I would love to have you there because it's always better to do comedy with a full house. It's Wednesday the 9th at the Green Room 42 in the Theater District. But if you're not in New York City, where you just don't feel safe yet, you can live stream the show. I decided to open up a live stream link. You're going to go to thegreenroom42.venuetix.com and just click on the live stream option. It's going to send you a link the day of show. And that is all I have to say. 
That's so amazing because whoever can't go uh, because they're out of town or is or just not able to make it physically for whatever reason, or just you know wants to avoid being in contact with people or traveling, you know, because New York is is safe now, but like just getting there might not be if you're especially if you're flying from Alabama, which has the worst yeah no kidding uh, COVID rates in the country right now and the lowest vaccination rates by the way. Hmm, coincidence? No, we call that correlation. <laughs> so. So I, I think that's so awesome that you're going to be able to stream this live. I think you're going to get so many people that are going to be able to enjoy your comedy that would otherwise not be able to. Thank you. And listen, I'm sure there's people who've seen me before. If you hear jokes you've heard before, there's a lot of people that have not ever seen me perform my long live show. And so hopefully they'll get some new laughs and I've got some new jokes going in. So if you have actually seen me already, I promise to give you at least a couple of new ones. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Laugh like, like you've I, never heard them. Like when they came back out of COVID. Everyone expected me to have a brand new hour. And I'm like, no, I'm going to tell you the same jokes I wrote in 2012. You ready? Here we go. They're funny. You'll like them. You'll like them again. I promise. That's right. A good friend told me, she said, you keep doing what you work. It's like a relationship. You don't get rid of the stuff that works. You just keep adding good stuff to it. Yes. Yes. To get that golden set. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to to watching that virtually. I'm not going to be able to attend physically. And thanks to everyone for supporting our decision to leave Spotify. It's, It's a tough one. It was like, Dana, were you here when we turned down the Bloomberg money? No. Okay. So (laughs) when Mike Bloomberg was running for president, he said, whoever is the nominee, if it's not me, I'll I'll put a bunch of money behind whoever the nominee is. But before that happened, he tried to do this podcast blitz campaign where he would, you know, pay podcasters for ad time. And then the podcaster would have to say, I'm back Mike Bloomberg for president. Uh... And no fucking way am I going to say that I back Mike Bloomberg for president. So I turned him down. I said, when you're ready, when we have a a nominee who's not you, because it's not going to be you. Right. And you want to buy ad space, come back and I'll sell it to you for, yeah. for that for that candidate, for whoever the Dem candidate is. But I'm not going to I'm not going to advertise for you. It was fifty thousand dollars. Jesus. We were like, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't say that Bloomberg is my candidate. It's no. just not. It's not worth it. We'll make the 50 grand somewhere else. And yeah, the truth is the truth is bigger than the bottom line. And indeed. And so here we are. And thank you for your support. And without patrons, uh, the patrons that we have, we wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you for being, you know, for for making the contribution. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, Dana and I will be back on Monday. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I wasn't finished. You didn't ask me if I had final thoughts. You didn't ask me anything. Oh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't have final thoughts. I'm DG. (laughs) I was like, but I gave you the handoff for your show. Eventually, I was going to be like, I'm taking my opportunity. This is my moment, people. (laughs) And who are you? Who are you? I'm AG. And I'm DG. (laughs) And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.